about to listen to a sermon from Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church. As a church, we want to see whole communities captivated by Jesus Christ and living out His freedom. Corinthians chapter 3 verse 7 to 4 verse 6 Um, and it's on page 1143 of the Pew Bibles from 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 7 now if the ministry that brought death which was engraved in letters of stone came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was. Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull. For to this very day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Well, good evening. Great to be with you. My name's Matt, one of the ministers here. If you're visiting, it's so great you're here. We're looking at the book of 2 Corinthians, and I love this book. Uh, so we pray with me that God will bless us as we read it. Let's pray. Our great God and loving Heavenly Father, we pray as we've just heard Paul say that you, the God who spoke light 
into being when there was only darkness would speak light into our hearts that we might see the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray this for his sake and in his name. Amen. One of the questions I ask a lot as a pastor is, how is it that people actually change? I mean, we live in a world of technological mastery. We have apps for almost anything. We have increasing capacity to control uh, and make new the human body. We have an understanding of our world and an ability to control it deeply and powerfully. And yet the human self sometimes feels impossible to change. I feel this most uh, personally often when it comes to the people I love the most. I'm a big details person. Sorry, I'm a big picture person, not a details person. Uh, And that drives a lot of people crazy around me. Uh, And multiple houses that I've lived in have been frustrated at my inability to notice unclean things and to make them clean again, right? You may be like me. Um, But that comes after them telling me again and again and again in love uh, and gentleness and kindness. And uh, I look at something like that and I'm thinking, what's wrong with me? That I can't even listen to the words from people whom I love most in this world. It is very difficult for a human to change, isn't it? We are a strange knot of all different types. And transforming that totally is a difficult task. What we see today in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 is a bold and magnificent claim. That in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, Humans can be changed radically, completely, and eternally in a way nothing else can. In a way the Jewish religion never could. In a way no path or book or secret could ever hope to do. Paul says that the gospel of Jesus Christ, what has been revealed in him, has a unique, powerful ability to untie the knot of the human self. So, we're going to move through this text quite simply, and we're going to jump back to Exodus as well, because we need to do some work there. Uh, Three things. Why don't we change? How can we change? And what is the secret of change? First of all, why don't we change? Now, verse 7 inducts us into this passage and into a bit of a background. It starts talking about Moses. Now, if you don't know your Bible that well, welcome to church. Great that you're here. Moses was the greatest Jewish prophet. He was the one who went up to God and and came down with commandments written on stone. That's what Paul's referring referring to in verse 7. And now Moses had such a unique relationship with God that when he encountered God, he walked away and his face actually shone like a glow stick, right? That's a pretty cool party trick. Um, Such was his encounters with God most high that we read about in Exodus. But the important thing we need to understand is that account and Moses' shining face, which we talk about in 2 Corinthians here, has a story just before it that's very important. God had led his people out of Egypt, 
under a cruel pharaoh who had enslaved them harshly, brutally. God led them out through the Red Sea and into the desert and claimed him as, they are my people. Moses then went up the mountain to talk to God to get his glow stick on. And the people, as they waited, got busy. They melted down their earrings. They melted down their jewelry. And they formed an enormous golden calf. And they pointed at it. And they said, this saved us. This is the reason we have a future. This is the reason why we are a people. This is the God who has done marvelous things for us. It's a bizarre moment. It's kind of like walking into your mother's house on Mother's Day and, you know, taking hold of a photograph of her and ignoring her completely. It's a bizarre moment where the worth of the salvation they have been given was given not to God, but to something that they made. And what we see in this moment is something uh, at the core of why we don't change. And that's that our hearts fall in love with things without us knowing. There's a movie called Stalker, 1979, Russian film. It was actually filmed in Chernobyl. Uh, and it's classic dystopian, right? It's cliche these days, but it wasn't back then. 100% of Rotten Tomatoes, can I say, by the way if you want to go watch it later. Uh, as you uh, enter this film, you enter this wasteland uh, called The Zone, uh, and you meet a man, Stalker, and he has two people with him, and they're walking through this land that's just an absolute desolate wasteland. You're wondering why you're there at all, really. Uh, when it becomes clear to you that actually they're in search of something, something called The Room. Now, when you open the door of The Room and you walk inside, it will give you the thing that you want most in all the world. And so there they are journeying through the zone, uh, and they get to the door of the room. Stalker points at it, and they're there, standing there. And then something interesting happens. They don't do anything. There's a pause. Because they have all of a sudden realized that when they open the door and walk into the room, they're not sure what they're going to get. It's not like a magic lamp that you can rub and say, I would actually like a Ferrari now, or a, or a husband, or a wife, or a house. It scans you and says, no, 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 based on your life, based on your heart, based on your mind, based on what you do, this is what you want most. Here you go. It's a terrifying moment, really. And it takes us to the core of what we're talking about. That really there's something that happens inside us where we fall in love with things and are driven by motivations and emotions and different knots of different things that we don't even understand. And so when we come to change some outward behavior, we're not in control. Something else inside us is. And this is what the, uh, this moment in Exodus is showing us and showing us how it actually happens. What they're doing is attributing the, the, the weight and significance and glory and power and might that should go to God onto some other beautiful thing. In this case, a golden calf. And this is the way 
we all work. Our hearts lock onto something beautiful and we attribute it ultimate weight and significance. You know, there are billboards up in Burwood at the moment that picture a beautiful family in front of a beautiful house and then domain is slapped in the top right-hand corner. Everyone's smiling in a pretty way. It's a beautiful picture of how if you lock onto property, it will save you. It is significant enough to carry you. Or the career billboards at Wynyard that promise a new way forward, a more successful, fulfilling career, because that is ultimately significant. Or it's when we say to ourselves that, I know I'm a Christian, but really, I don't feel like my life is complete unless I have a car, partner, money, job, etc. That is the thing, the beautiful story our heart has locked onto. And when your heart is locked onto something, it is very difficult to change. And that is the reality in the background of 2 Corinthians 3 as we read it today. Now Moses in Exodus sees Israel's problem and he knows the solution. He walks up to God on the mountain and what does he pray? Show me your glory. Show me your glory. I know, God, that you are the one who is significant and saves and makes things okay and gives futures, not this thing. You are the only beautiful thing that hearts should lock onto. But do you know what God says in return? No. No, you can't. Because you'll die. Because no one can see my glory and my worth and live. No human who locks onto calves or property or people rather than me can see me and live. That's why Paul describes Moses' ministry as the ministry of death in verse 7. And as the ministry that brings condemnation in verse 9. Because the veil he wore before the Israelites, was a sign that they could not approach the glory of God and live because of their hearts. Paul then goes on to say in verse 15 uh, and onward about how it's not just an outward veil that Moses had on, but in fact every Israelite and every human has a veil over their heart, has something that stops them from attributing significance and worth to God Most High and instead would rather turn to anything else. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. You see, our problem is that we've locked onto something, and the only thing that can solve it is the glory of God, and that is the one thing that will destroy us. That is the problem of change. So how is it then that we can change? that the knot of the human self is untied. Now, at this point, it's it's good to understand as we ask this question of how, that the reason why the Corinthians brought up Moses is because they thought Paul was a bit pathetic in comparison. I mean, Paul, your face doesn't shine, you know? What's that about? Moses was so much more impressive than you. He was so much more glorious than you. But what Paul says in response is, you don't need my face to shine. I don't preach about me. I preach 
Jesus Christ as Lord for verse 5. Because it is in uh, His face in verse 4 of chapter 4 that you can see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Paul says, I'm not the fulfillment of Moses. Jesus is. He is the true and better Moses whose face doesn't just shine because he saw God, but whose face is God. He is the glory of the Almighty. The way God fixes our glory problem is that the glory of God comes among us in the incarnation of Jesus so that we can see who God is again. So that the thing that unlocks the human heart walked and was among us and could be accessed. When you see Him, the veil drops away. And nothing else can. Nothing in all the world. That's why Paul says, you know, with this is the truth. We don't, we don't have tricks. We don't do secret and shameful things. We don't distort. We don't do deception. Hearts need Jesus Christ. So we just talk about Him and see what happens. It is the glory of God in the face of Christ that can set the human heart free and nothing else. But the problem goes deeper still. Uh, And you see in 4 verse 3 that uh, this, this veiling of the gospel, even when Christ has been revealed, still happens. And then in verse 4, it's because the God of this age blinds people. Referring to the devil, the malevolent, evil, spiritual force out there in the world trying to confuse and blunt hearts to Christ. Now, at this point, you might be thinking, I was with you, Matt, until you started talking about the guy with the port, you know, things. But when you said that, I tuned out because that doesn't make sense to me. That's not how I understand the world. And it's true, a lot of Western culture has diminished the view of the spiritual in the world and uh, renounced anything even like Satan. But one author who wrote an interesting book called The Death of Satan makes an interesting point about that. He says that a gulf has opened up in our culture between the visibility of evil and our capacity to explain it. Here's what I mean. Our basic premise today is that everyone is good, just as they are. But at the same time, our world is full of evil. Terrorism, greed unstoppable, unspeakable things that happen in the dark places of the world. And the question is, if we're a land full of good people and the world is full of evil, where does it come from? Actually, without Satan, we have a lower capacity to explain what happens in the world. With him in the picture, the world actually makes better sense. If there's someone evil, lurking, Wanting things to go bad, wanting to block the human heart from the one thing that can set it free. Wouldn't that make better sense of the world? That everyone's good, but things seem to not be working quite as well. Satan makes better sense of the world than perhaps his absence. But with this darkening and blinding of the human heart, something more radical has to happen. In fact, it's a complete radical act of recreation. In chapter 4, verse 6, it says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made His light shine in our hearts 
to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. You see, it's not enough for us to have it external. It's got to come inside. It's got to unblind us. You know, I remember when in our house we first got the internet and you had to plug it into the phone line and it actually rang the phone line and sometimes it didn't even work, right? And you'd be like, oh, oh well, no internet today. These days things are different. Access isn't just one place. Access is everywhere in a house. If, if you see a new house being built and the skeleton of the structure, the pipes and things, you'll notice blue wires through the whole thing. Uh, wires into the bedroom, uh, the living room, the study, maybe even the bathroom. I haven't seen that yet, but I wouldn't be surprised. Because people want direct, complete, full streaming of anything, anywhere, anytime. And that's a beautiful movement forward we have in internet technology. But that's a beautiful movement forward But in, when the Spirit comes inside us. That is the light that shines in us to give us not a, a, a haphazard, but a complete, direct blue line to the streamline of Jesus' glory straight into our hearts where we need it most. That's why where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Because he brings the glory of Christ into the one place that we need it most. And that is the only place and the only way that the human heart can change. Seeing, beholding Christ in the power of the Spirit. You know, it was said of Moses in Exodus 33 verse 11 that the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. That's how close they were. And yet, we have remarkable and direct access deep inside us in a way Moses never knew. It's the beautiful privilege of the gospel that Paul proclaims. So, what's the secret? How come that's a reality but we don't change? If that's the how, then what's the secret? Because the reality is that we dwell on something beautiful and glorious every day without knowing. Every day we're bathing our hearts in something. This was made clear to me. I've just been contemplating a few threads of my life in the last year, and one of them's become very clear to me, a story that's grown over lots of years. And it began at my high school. I loved my school. It was fantastic. Uh, and in front of the library, as a boys' school, uh, there were 10 portraits put up every year. Photographs of boys from the year before. They were the top 10 boys of each year. You had photo, UAI or ATAR or whatever it is these days, whatever the kids say. Uni degree, scholarship. Photo, UAI, uni degree, scholarship. And so everybody would have to walk past them as they go into the library, which I did a lot because I'm a nerd. Um, you know. And it's fascinating what this actually did to me. It set up something quite profound. Because I would look up at these things. And to me, they were a beautiful thing that got my heart. And here's why. Because these guys had significance. Admiration. And approval. And they showed me the way to get it. And walking past them every day, I bathed my heart in the glory of significance and contemplated how to get there. 
And that's a story that had taken deep root in my life and has led me lots of times into the contemplation of my own significance and how to get there. Day by day, moment by moment, bathing myself in my glory. We all do that with some beautiful thing in some way. The secret to change is changing what you glory in. Verse 18, chapter 3, the beautiful center of this whole passage. We who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory. You see, the summons of the passage to change is, is for contemplation, that which is the better translation there. See the A on reflect? It says contemplate at the bottom. Go with contemplate better. To contemplate God's glory, His beauty, rather than anything else. The thing I've noticed most why Christians, I think, struggle to change, in particular, is that really when we approach Jesus Christ, we approach Him in a posture of control. We approach the Bible in a posture of control. We approach it in the way we approach university, or school, or any other technological focused thing of life. To tame and be in control and know its secrets. But the picture you have in verse 18 is not that. It's of someone deeply in awe of the glory revealed in Jesus Christ. It's not about control, it's about surrender. It's not about control, it's about awe. It's about delighting. Because your heart falls in love with beautiful things. And so if you see nothing of beauty, if you can't delight, if there's no enjoyment of the glory of Jesus Christ, then your heart will never change. It's to the extent that you can contemplate His glory in the power of the Spirit that you start to change. Three things about how that happens, practically. For me, the thing, and I love analyzing stuff, right? Like, I'm all in on the control thing, just so you know. I'm naming myself. And the thing that circuit breaks that for me is the prayer I take to read the Bible has changed. I now take Moses' prayer on my lips as I read God's Word. You know when he asked, God, show me your glory, God said, no. When we open the Bible in the power of the Spirit and say, show me your glory, he says, yes. And he shows us the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we pray, show me your glory, we're not praying just to examine, but to know and to delight and to see, to see the depth of beauty and power and gentleness and wisdom and control and and lordship and might that is in Jesus Christ. When we pray that prayer, we take up the Scriptures and we long to see our God and not merely dissect the words before us. That's the first thing. Pray, show me your glory. The second thing is you need to pray that in the right way for you. What is it in your heart the beautiful calf that your, your heart latches onto. For me, significance. So my prayer is, show me your glory, Lord. Show me your significance. 
Let it far outweigh mine. May it dwarf mine. Maybe yours is the approval of others. Maybe your prayer needs to be, show me your glory in this passage today, Lord. Show me how your approval is better. Show me how your glory and your lordship means I need not the approval of anyone else. Maybe it's security through money and career. And you need to say, Lord, show me your glory so I don't seek security in this world, but in you, because you're more glorious than all. Whatever it is, Lord, show me your glory that I might see Jesus Christ and that I might change. The third thing is, is, is this act of contemplation. It, it's actually uh, about throwing the thing you've seen in Scripture around in your heart and your mind, letting it rattle around or let it swirl around like a good glass of red wine, sniffing, feeling the weight of, tasting the texture of. You see, when you start contemplating and meditating in that way, you do start to, to shift when the gentleness of Jesus is on repeat through a day, when you're tasting it, you find your eyes opened to gen- the gentleness in others and the way you go toward others. When you throw around his power in your mind, you start to let go of your power. When you have his sacrificial love on repeat, swirling it around, it becomes, you become it. That's what Paul is saying. When you view it, you become it. What you love most, what you glory in most is what you are becoming. And for the Christian, we're on a, an ever-increasing glory journey of becoming like Jesus. The glory we once could never see is now our eternal destiny. We are destined to become the Jesus-shaped version of ourselves. And we are to seek to become more like Him every day. Pray, show me your glory in the way you need it. And let what you see roll around in your mind and in your heart. But as we conclude, we know that the stories in our culture, they're strong. The billboards are everywhere. The things are on repeat already. And what we need in those moments when we're feeling stuck is to go to the center of the glory of Jesus Christ. Because the only reason that we have access to God is because Jesus was crushed by God's glory so that we could see it and not die. He who always saw the Father's face, beautiful in eternal light, was thrust into utter darkness on the cross that the light of God's face might shine on us. That is the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when your heart starts to see that, it wants more. Let's pray. Oh, Father, as we sit here today, we, uh, we know that our hearts are a knot. And Father, there's people here today who know that their heart's been stolen by something without them knowing. A story's been told to them about something that will save them that's not you, and they've attributed what is your glory to that thing. And Father, they turn from that right now. And ask you to show them your glory. Father, there are some people here who are stuck in the control mechanism. And they want to contemplate. They want to be in awe. They want to let go of the mentality they've held for so long. And they want to open their their hands again to you and, and, and stand in awe of Jesus. Show them your glory. Father, there's some here today who feel like the veil is still there. 
that they're resisting you with all they have. Father, they turn to Jesus. Take away their veil. Flood them with light. Show us your glory. Lord Jesus Christ, that we may be like you. Amen. listening to the Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church podcast. For more audio content and information about our church, please visit neac.com.au.